Recently, we posted some pictures on Facebook that received a whole lot of attention. And these are were pictures of what we call an accessory dwelling unit, a detached accessory dwelling unit, also known as a tiny home. And uh, roughly 2,000 people expressed their liking of it. Um, I'm here with the architect, Billy Zion of Zion Architects, who designed this particular home. And I want to ask him a few questions um, to kind of get educated on uh, the, the tiny home ADU phenomenon. Uh, Billy, first, thanks for being with us. And what do you attribute the interest in these smaller dwellings to? What is the fascination? I think um, it has a lot to do with the cost, the anticipated lower cost of less square footage, but also maybe the the length of time it would take to build a smaller home. So people are attracted to, number one, the cost, but also the idea that it could be built quicker and it could be something they could use um, much quicker than a traditional full-size residence. Sure. And I think the, you know, the, the tiny home movement began um, with these being more of like mobile dwellings. So that was attractive as well for people to be able to build these tiny dwellings and then to relocate um, as needed to different parts of the country or, you know, gives them the ability to travel and and live in different places. This particular one in the post, though, wasn't, um, it was permanent, it was a permanent structure, correct? Right, yeah. This project is a permanent dwelling, not mobile. But I mean, I guess depending on the overall dimensions of these, they can be mobilized if you structure the the foundation the right way. That's a good point. So you hear these names used interchangeably, a tiny home, a guest house, an accessory dwelling unit. Are there features that distinguish one from the other or are they all just synonyms of each other? Um, I think they are synonyms in a way because they're they're all referring to basically a smaller dwelling than what we're typically accustomed to living in. Again, the, the tiny home movement started as a very small, probably the smallest, what people picture as the smallest of those three that you mentioned. They're the tiny home, the ADU, or the guest house. I would say the tiny home a true tiny home is probably around five or 600 square feet or less. And those were originally built and designed to be mobile. An ADU and a guest house is probably the same thing. They're probably more synonymous than um, the tiny home. These are larger, a little bit larger dwellings than what you might consider to be a, a tiny home. They're probably closer to maybe a thousand square feet, maybe 900 maybe a little over a thousand but it's it's a similar setup in that it's smaller than your traditional house but still gives you the amenities of a house with a bedroom a bathroom a living space and a kitchen just of course reduced in size and of course something you know approaching that square footage a thousand or so square feet you wouldn't really think of that as a mobile structure now, your work as an architect, you have done a couple different versions of these smaller dwellings. Um, you have an idea of approximately how many you've designed over the course of your career? Well, this year, um, in particular, 
I think I've designed four or five different tiny homes and then probably three or four of these ADU or guest houses. So the tiny homes I designed were probably 800 square feet, somewhere in that range. And then the ADU or guest houses or pool houses, I guess, or another thing people are calling these because they're adjacent to their pools. But um, those are usually a thousand or 1200 square feet. So three or four of those and then four or five tiny home schemes. What are some of the challenges that you encounter during uh, the design phase of these as you're customizing these both in design and then when they segue into build, what are some of the challenges that you come up against through that process? Yeah, of course, you know, squeezing in the programming that the client is looking for in a smaller footprint is always a challenge because we are used to living in larger spaces. So when someone is going from, say, a a three or four thousand square foot home and wants to use a tiny home, it's kind of hard to to help them visualize what that smaller space looks like and feels like. So it's a challenge to kind of to show them on a you know a floor plan a drawing you know a smaller bedroom and living room space, and then to convince them that that's adequate when they're used to you know larger spaces for for living and sleeping. But we can do that through you know a variety of of different drawing methods that we do. Um, Of course, in two-dimensional, we can try to communicate that, but three-dimensional renderings are really helpful with these tiny home designs because you can really get into the model and and start to to feel what that smaller footprint might feel like. So that's a challenge, but then also site adapting these in different locations can be a challenge as well because, of course, every city and town is different as far as their zoning goes and, and the specifics of the site, the weather, um, where the sun is, where, you know, if there's water issues with the site, if there are grading issues on the site. So all of these, these tiny homes look great and efficient on paper, but until you actually figure out where it's going on the client's site, you really don't know, you know, what modifications you might need to make to the foundation or the floor plan itself to make sure it, it fits within the, the requirements of each specific site. Well, Daniel Builders built this particular ADU, but we are licensed only in the state of South Carolina. The interest that this one has generated uh, reaches far outside of um, South Carolina. In fact, somebody from Arizona <laughs> just recently asked, uh, can you build one here? Um, we can't build there. But you can still design for someone who is outside of our state lines. Is that correct? Yes, I am um, a licensed architect and I'm NCARB certified. That's N-C-A-R-B certified. So what that means is that my license is reciprocal in any state in America and also in Canada, Mexico, I think even Australia. But I mean, that just, it just requires, it would require me, and it's, it's different state to state, but um, my license is reciprocal if I just fill out an application and typically a fee with each state, but it's pretty easy 
to become licensed in, in every state mm-hmm. for me because of that NCARB certification. Can you design something completely remotely for somebody or do you ever have to have them face to face? No, I mean, we've, we've done remote designs. I think as everyone knows, COVID kind of made that sure. more of the norm um, in the design world where I can meet and talk with a client on the phone or zoom or teams or whatever format um, they're comfortable with and get a feel for um, what their needs are. I do like to visit the site if possible um, because of some of the issues we talked about earlier. Um, so it's, it's difficult to be completely detached, although possible um, there is always the unknown um, of the site that you can't see through a phone call or a zoom call. So one of the challenges with building a, a ADU on your home is matching it to the existing home or correct me if I'm wrong, Billy, isn't that what most people want to do? They don't want to have it look uh, extremely different from what is already on their property. Yeah, that's right. Most people want the, this tiny home or ADU structure to match their their existing house. There are occasional cases where the client really wants this structure to stand out as something different. But most of the time, um, the struggle is to make this smaller structure look like the adjacent house. And they're also sometimes like neighborhood covenants or neighborhood architectural review boards that also have to approve these. So most of those reviewing entities require structures like this to match the existing house in material and color um, and scale in some instances. So that can be a challenge um, for a smaller structure like this, but we, we've got experience doing that and the results have been good so far. Well, the big question that keeps coming up is how much do these things cost? What is the price tag? And the short answer is it varies, right? I mean, you can customize it to be as nice as you want it, or you can go as bare bones as you want it. How do you work through the the price question when you have someone coming to you wanting a custom accessory dwelling unit? Right. Well, we first kind of want to get a feel for maybe how many people are going to be using and living in it and maybe the ages of those people and then the amenities and their taste or their, you know, what type of finishes they want to put in here. Because we can take, you know, factors like, you know, the number of people, the age of the people, and we can begin to squeeze that floor plan to a square footage that makes sense for their budget. So they typically come to us with a budget in mind, and then we're then tasked with working that floor plan, thinking of a cost per square foot, working the floor plan based on how many people are going to be living in there, what their amenities want to be, and then what their budget is, and then coming up with a a floor plan that makes sense. So they're already going into this knowing that this is going to be a smaller dwelling than what they're used to. So in a sense, that makes it easier because if they're working with a budget, as we all know, you know, things tend to shrink when we're trying to save money. So with the tiny home design, that that's okay because that's what we're looking for anyway. So the cost of these is kind of all over the place. You know, you, you see your DIY guys building these on trailers and I'm sure they do it for hundred or two hundred dollars a square foot 
Um, but once you start getting into customized finishes and built-in type carpentry, um, which a lot of this tiny house design is a lot of custom cabinetry because it's customized for the client in a smaller footprint. So there is a lot of custom um, carpentry that has to take place. So that drives up the cost per square foot. So if the low end is 200, I mean, the high end, you know, I've seen five, 600, even higher than that, depending on, you know, how, how nice you want to make it. So it's kind of all over the place, which again, kind of reinforces the idea or the need to meet with the client, get an understanding of who they are, who their family is, and again, what, what the site is like. So we can kind of zoom in on how nice or you know what the cost per square foot could end up being. So a good approach would be knowing what your budget is and then coming to you and with the question, what can you design to fit in this budget? Right, that's right. Well, through the course of this conversation, there may be somebody out there who, uh, who you're really resonating with and, and who would like to work with you. In fact, they're thinking of questions that I haven't asked that they would like to ask you. What is the best approach they should take to getting in contact with you? The best way is probably through the Daniel Builders website, which is where this project, who built this project we're talking about today. Go through their website through the form submission. The getting old, started page. Getting started page. And um, click on that and let them know what you're looking for and they can send you directly to me. Yeah. And I can get started with the process. Yeah, that's right. Just me- mention Billy Zion by name as you're filling out that form and uh, they will be able to connect you with Billy um, and you can speak to him in person as you've probably Become well aware he is an easy guy to talk to and is a wealth of information and knowledge. Billy, thanks for taking a moment to answer these questions. No problem. Thanks, Will. All right. We'll see you.